Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulullah Abad. My dear brothers and sisters, I want to uh, mention a very, very critical and important aspect of Islam and of Islamic values, which is the value of shura, of consultation, of mashwara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Shura, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned uh, ayah number 38, وَالَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَأَمْرُهُمْ شُورَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يَنْفِقُونَ Which means, Allah said, and those who accept Islam, who answer the call of their Rabb, اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ The ones who, those people who answer the call of their Rabb, and what is the call of their Rabb? to worship, to establish salah, uh, to worship none other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to establish salah, and who conduct their affairs by mashwara, by shura. Amru wa amruhum shura bainahum. And who spend from what we have given them. <coughs> So what is Shura? I think everybody understands the fact that we should make Shura, we should make Mashwara. But what is Shura? The principle of Shura in Islam is not the rule of the majority. Shura is not taking a vote. There is a big confusion with respect to the Islamic principle of Mashwara or consensus or consultation. Shura is not the following. Number one, it is not a requirement that everyone must agree. Number one, it is not a requirement that everybody's opinion should be taken. It is not a requirement that the majority opinion should be taken. All these three are not requirements of Shura according to Islam. And I will give you the life for all of this, inshallah. So what is Shura? It's very important to understand because Shura is not something that only the Amir should do or only the King should do or only the Imam should do. Shura is something that we should make part of our lives on a daily basis. Every single action of ours must be done with Shura, with consultation. And if it is done with shura and consultation, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves us from the evil or potential evil of that action. We do not know which action has good in it and which action has evil in it. But when something is done with shura, even if there is evil in the action, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves us from that evil. And as I said, I'll give you the life for all this, inshallah. So, where should Shura be practiced? Everywhere. For example, you are at home and somebody says, let's not eat at home today, let's go to a restaurant. That is an opportunity for Shura. Which restaurant? Why that restaurant? Opportunity for Shura. The reason I'm giving you that example is because even in something which is so clearly within quotes not an Islamic decision, Obviously, you will go, the restaurant you pick will be a restaurant which is, you know, halal and so on. But I'm just saying that this is not a decision with respect to some uh, Islamic ruling. 
and it's also not a life and death decision it's not a uh, you know very significant decision point in your life it's an ordinary day to day thing <clears throat> make sure on that in your employ in your places of employment in your schools in your colleges in your uh, businesses in your homes obviously in your masajid and so on always 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 practice shura practice mashwara and work only with mashwara because only in mashwara there is khair now what is the method <coughs> the measured method of shura is number 1 you elect an amir this amir is not necessarily an amir for life it's not necessarily the oldest person it is not necessarily a man it is not necessarily there's no uh, specific quality of the amir which is constant always the amir can be a man or a woman for the purpose of shura i'm saying for the purpose of shura the amir can be a man or a woman the amir must necessarily be somebody who number one should be pious so if you have a home full of evil people and there is one person who is good then that person should be the amir um, but the person should be pious should be somebody who is you know deendar second thing is the amir must be somebody who knows so you don't pick as an amir you know a five year old child or something you know who does not have knowledge so you pick somebody who has knowledge and third thing is you pick somebody who the particular matter in a case where that is that is that is there you can pick a, or you can or should pick an amir as somebody who has the greatest concern in that matter so you are not deciding something on behalf of someone and that person who is actually concerned has no share, no share no pick, pick that person as the then <coughs> the matter is put before the majlis the majlis is whoever else is there the amir the role of the amir and the role of the members of the shura the role of the amir is seek the opinion of people not necessarily all the people but definitely seek the opinion of people who are significant so if an amir picks and seeks only the opinion of people who he is sure will agree with him then that's a stupid thing to do because in implementation you will have problems because other people who may not agree with you may have a divergent point of view you didn't ask them and likelihood is that they will create some trouble so best thing is ask people on both sides of the issue that's one advice to the amir but if there is a if there are a lot of people it is no requirement that the amir must necessarily ask everyone it's not required number 2 is as i said then what does the amir do then the amir and this is where being connected to allah is important then the amir will take a decision based on what comes into his heart after his own thought and so on and so forth but the decision the amir takes must be a decision which he or she feels genuinely is best for the collective right so say for example we are deciding what time should be salatul fajr so we take we make mashwara we don't ask the whole masjid we ask significant people who are significant people who come to the salah regularly so you ask them regularly when do you come people give an opinion however the amir decides that i think 6 o'clock is a nice time because i can wake up at that time i can play fajr and i have to go for a walk at 6:30 fits in nicely with me so people are saying now uh, you know uh, pray at uh, 5:15 or somebody says something you so see you ask 
everyone and then say inshallah al-mustan jazakumullah khairan for your opinion salah will be at six uh, that that is rubbish because you already made up your mind you are asking for the opinion was a sham so this is not shura this is something else so for the amir the amir what must the amir do the amir must take a decision which is good for the community even if it is inconvenient for him that is the uh, the responsibility of the amir so quick one pick an amir second one the amir must consult with the group not necessarily everybody but significant people definitely not only his friends if there is a issue which has uh, two sides to it then consult everyone and third thing is take a decision which is good for the whole community not only for his own convenience or the convenience of a couple of his friends this is the report from the avir side now from the what is the role of the member of the majlis you are sitting in the shura what is your role number 1 if you are asked you give an opinion if you are asked you give an opinion and when you after you have given the opinion make tauba after you give the opinion make tauba and ask and seek the forgiveness of allah because you are not getting wahi maybe your opinion was the worst in the world maybe your opinion is going to lead to destruction and disaster so make tauba and say ya allah i did my best i gave the opinion which i considered to be best for the whole community not your own personal desire no the opinion is about a collective matter you give an opinion which in your view is good for the whole community even if does if it does not suit you and then you immediately make tawbah to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say allah please forgive me from the evil of this please allow the khair to happen and if this opinion in in your sight if this opinion has no value please cause this opinion to be rejected make this dua for yourself so if the opinion now is rejected what do you say you say alhamdulillah this opinion was not good allah knew so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not put it in the heart of the amir second one if you, this this is for who? for the one whose opinion was asked second one is your opinion was not asked what must you do you are sitting in the majlis the amir did not consult you what must you do you must thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alhamdulillah rabbil alamin allah did not cause me to be consulted allah did not cause me to be asked so maybe whatever i was going to say would not have been beneficial allah saved me from this alhamdulillah both sides third one you are a person who the amir did not ask but you have information which is critical to that decision right the amir is not alimul ghaib he does not know what's in your heart he did not ask you for whatever reason maybe he didn't see you maybe he didn't he didn't think you might be, you might have a you know great opinion or whatever but you happen to have information which is critical to success of that decision of that decision amir did not ask you what must you do you must volunteer that information but you must volunteer the information must say, i i have something to say when must you say that only if you have information which is critical to the decision and you realize that nobody else has that information this does not mean that something is going on amir didn't didn't ask you so you say no i have something to say no you don't have anything to say what you are saying has already been said 
this is your own nafs coming into the play into play into play and trying to put your opinion forward please keep quiet don't say anything but if there is actual data actual information which is critical to the situation then do not hold it back do not hide it that would be very detrimental and that would count against you before allah because you hid critical information which could have benefited but because you hid it it caused harm then you are answerable to allah so don't do that make sure that if you have critical information you share it so three things elect the amir amir will consult and take a decision based on what is good for the community number 2 as a member of the consult consulting committee a member of the mashwara ashura if you are asked an opinion you give an opinion which is good for the whole community for that whole group and you make tawba to allah subhanahu wa taala and ask allah to save you from the evil of it if you are not asked an opinion you say alhamdulillah rabbil alamin you thank allah if you have information which is critical which should be shared then you share it even if you were not asked is this clear this is the method of shura in islam now dalail first thing i told you is that even if there is evil even if there is anything harmful in the decision allah will save you from it if you made shura rasulullah sallallahu at the end of the battle of badr when all the matters had been settled they were prisoners and when they came to madina rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam made shura he made mashwara did he ask every inhabitant of madina no did he ask his whole army no he asked significant people in his in his uh, in his mashwara so he asked sa'd bin sa'd bin mu'ad he asked uh, umar bin khattab he asked uh, abu bakr siddiq radhiyallahu anhu and so on he asked them what should i do with these prisoners Abu Bakr Siddiq Radhiallahu said ya Rasulullah we can ransom them uh, set a price let them come and pay the money and free the prisoners we are short of funds we need uh, resources and so on so this is my advice and some other people said that said so, Umar bin Khattab Radhiallahu said execute them we are not traders we are not here to take money execute the prisoners there are significant leaders in this finish that job once and for all they are they stood against you they didn't they didn't buy in battle they they are prisoners of war execute them mashwara was made what are you seeing in the mashwara you are seeing the nabi asking a question the nabi doesn't have to ask the nabi can ask allah but the nabi asked a question why because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said amruhum shura bainahum So the Nabi asked a question. When the Nabi asked the question, did the people say whatever you like, Ya Rasulullah? Did they say that? They did not say that. Why is a mashwara being made? Because he wants to know what is your opinion. So this is a, this is one of the problems of people. No, whatever you like, whatever I like, I know. Why must I ask you then? And the problem with these people is they will say whatever you like, and then when you do something, then they go and create trouble behind your back. this is not islam so nabi is asking a question the one who had an opinion gave an opinion the one who had a contrary opinion also gave an opinion now rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam decided in favor of abu bakr siddiq's opinion radhiyallahu where he said we will ransom people wallahu alam nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself was a very kind hearted man he did not like the idea of killing anybody even though they were enemies and so on and so forth so he decided in favor of taking a ransom matters over next morning 
Sayyidina Umar bin Al-Khattab came and he found Rasulullah and Abu Bakr Siddiq both of them weeping, crying. He was absolutely perturbed. He came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, what happened? Why are you crying? He said, please tell me so I can cry with you. Even if I can't cry, I will at least pretend to cry. Because this is, I mean, how can you be crying and I'm not crying? What happened? Rasulullah indicated to a tree. And there was a palm tree which had been blasted with lightning. It was smashed and burning. Nabi said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blasted this tree with lightning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and the ayat of the Quran in Surah Tawbah was revealed, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, it is not for the Nabi to do a deal with people, it is for a Nabi to complete the work and to execute prisons. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, because you made shura, the evil of this was diverted from you. So the tree got blasted. Not because the tree did anything, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to show his itab. Who is this happening for? For the Nabi He said, Alhamdulillah, you made shura. So even though the decision was not a decision that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala liked, I am giving you dalail from the Quran. Huh? This is not uh, fatwa of this mufti or that mufti. Read the Quran. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the evil of that was removed. Number two. Rasulullah received wahi to go and make Umrah. Rasulullah announced 14-1500 people got prepared. They went to Makkah. They made niyat of Umrah. They, made, they went to Makkah to make Umrah. Why didn't they go? Because Rasulullah received wahi that they would make Umrah that year. He invited them, so they went. They were stopped at Hudaybiyah, short distance from Makkah. And we know the whole story of Hudaybiyah, so I won't go into the details of that. The long and short of it is, they could not make Umrah. They were prevented from making Umrah, they could not make Umrah. Now, during that whole process, there was a rumor that Osman bin Affan anhu had been assassinated, had been killed because Nabi Sallallahu sent him as an ambassador to the Quraysh. He didn't come back. There was no information. There was a rumor saying that he has been killed. So Nabi Sallallahu went uh, to the camp of Banu Najjar and he sat under a tree and he took baya from all the people, a baya for war, a baya to fight to the deaths if necessary and they all gave him baya except one man. This happened under the tree, Tahta Shajar, under the tree. And there is ayat, ayat of the Quran regarding this. We will come to the ayat in a minute. They all gave bayah. Then came the issue of the treaty of Hudaybiyah. Hmm? Sohail bin Amr came as the, uh, as, the, uh, as the ambassador of the, of the negotiator, ambassador of the Quraysh. And as we know, this treaty was written. We also know what is written in the treaty. It was not a fair treaty. It was a treaty which was completely one-sided. It was a treaty in which Rasulullah and the Muslims had uh, were given really no wasn't. They were given no value, no uh, you know post uh, position, uh, and so on and so on. So this whole thing. And Rasulullah agreed to all the terms of that treaty, even though they were unfair. They were one-sided. Uh, they were not just. 
still rasulullah accepted all the uh, things of this treaty all the all the all the clauses of the treaty the sahaba who were there were very very unhappy with what was going on all of them i don't think there would be any sahabi there who was pleased with what was going on there were some who accepted it like Abu Siddiq Radhalanu, but Abu Siddiq also Radhalanu was not delighted. Wow, fantastic, great job. No. So the Omar al Khattab Radhalanu actually asked a question. But that's not, doesn't mean that only he had the, the question in his mind. Wallah I'm sure many people had, but some people have the courage to actually ask. So Sayyidina Omar Radhalanu said, Ya Rasulullah, are you not the Nabi? Ya Rasulullah, are we not on the right? Are they not on the wrong? And so on. And we know the whole story. He even questioned the Prophet Sallallahu about the wisdom of this treaty. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, Yes, I am the Nabi. Yes, we are on the, on the right. And this is what I am going to do. After that, Rasulullah Sallallahu after the treaty was signed, and there is a whole detail with regard to Suhail bin our son who came and what happened and so on. I am not going into the details of all that. But after all that happened, Rasulullah ordered the Sahaba to shave their heads and to slaughter the uh, animals which they had brought with them uh, for, the, uh, for the Umrah. And the Sahaba, after an initial issue, they all obeyed. Now, we know the two ayat which came with, res- with respect to this. One is Inna Fatana Laka Fatah Mubina, which is the first ayat of Surah Fatah. The other one is the ayah uh, which is uh, with regard to the with Baitul Ridwan, which is the bayah under the uh, tree, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Yadullah, Yadullah fawqa aidihim, the uh, hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is over the hand of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know these two ayat. The point, I want, the point to which I want to draw your attention, please understand. What was the situation you were seeing there? You were situa- seeing a situation there where the people had an Amir and the Amir was Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They followed the Amir. They obeyed the Amir. But what the Amir promised could not be delivered at that time. So the Amir promised them something but it could not be delivered. Number two, the Amir took a decision which the group, the congregation did not like. They didn't want that decision. They did not like the decision. Still, what did they do? Did they obey him or did they not obey him? Please understand, the ayat which came, the ayah, the ayah regarding the ayat of Surah Al-Fatah as well as the ayah regarding Baitul Ridwan, both came after the event. The Sahaba were not obeying the ayat of the Quran. The ayat came as confirmation for the decision and behavior which they had already exhibited. Allah supported, Allah said, what you have done is right. But when they were taking the decision, did they have guidance from Allah directly? No. The only one who had guidance was Nabi Wasallam. And did Rasulullah announce and say, I am getting this wahi now and I am getting this guidance and do this because Allah told you. He didn't say any of that. He said, give me bayah. I am signing this treaty. Treaty is between whom? Quraysh and Muhammadur Rasulullah. The fact that the Amir is guided by Allah was a belief in the hearts of the Sahaba. The Amir didn't announce that. And you might say, well, you know, after all, he's the Nabi. There's no after all. 
There is no after all. As far as they were concerned, he was a human being. He was a person like them. For many of them, he was their uncle, he was their cousin, he was their brother, he was this, he was that actual relationship. Must put ourselves in that situation. It is not Muhammad Rasulullah speaking, it was my cousin speaking. Who was he with regard to Abbas, uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas? He was his cousin. Who was he with regard to Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib? He was his nephew. Did they obey him or did they not obey him? And then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave them all. The, Allah announced a general forgiveness for everyone who took part in that Baitul Ridwan. Baitul Ridwan was taken for what? For war, fighting unto the death if required. But was there any war at all? Nothing. Nothing. It was only a test. But obviously like all tests, at the time of the test you don't know this. When Ibrahim salam stood there with his son on the, on, on the rock and, and a knife on the throat of his son, did he know that Allah is going to send a, a sheep to be slaughtered? No. That is the whole point of the test. The whole point of the test is to make it as realistic as possible, which means that some information about the result will be held back from you because Allah is testing you. If Allah already said, wait for the sheep, where is the test? There is no test. Third example. Also Sira. Also Quran. Rasulullah made mashwara about the battle of Ahad. And he asked the people, he said, where should we fight this battle? We know the Quraysh are coming. Should we go out of Medina and fight? Or should we fight inside Medina? Should it be a street by street fight? Or should it be a fight outside Medina? Abdullah uh, Ubay bin Salul, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, the leader of the Munafiqeen. And remember, when we are saying leader of the Munafiqeen, we are talking post-event. We know that now. We know that after Allah revealed the Quran about this. But at the time when this incident was happening, who was Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul? He was a Muslim. He was among the leaders of the Muslims of Medina. He was the head of the great tribe of Khazraj. Yes? They were not, they, he, didn't have, he didn't walk around with a, with a label saying leader of Munafiqeen. Huh? Did he have a, a name tag saying leader of Munafiqeen? No. He was a highly respected leader in his community. So what did he say? He said, Ya Rasulullah, let us fight inside Medina. Did he say we should not fight? He didn't say that. He said we fight. But let us fight inside Madina. We have the advantage. Let them come into our streets and we will fight them from the rooftops and so on and so forth. We will be protected. We fight inside Madina. Did, does, it, does this sound like good advice to you? Of course. Very good advice. But what happened? Several of the younger Sahaba who had, especially those who could not take part in Badr. They were very keen to show that they wanted to fight for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were very keen to show that they were ready. So they said, Ya Rasulullah, no, let us take the battle to them. 
This fighting inside Madina and all that doesn't sound nice. You know, it's like we are running away, we are cowards. We are not cowards. We are ready to fight. Let's go out. Now they put so much pressure on Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Rasulullah agreed. And he got up, he agreed. He said, we go out and fight. He gave his decision. He went inside to put on his armor. As he was putting on his armor, these Sahaba who gave him this advice, they got a feeling that we think, I think we pressured the Prophet We really should not have told him this thing so strongly. We should have gone by his decision. But I think we kind of put too much pressure on him. So they told Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, they said, please go and tell Nabi that we will do whatever he tells us to do. We told you we want to go and fight outside, but we are not insisting on it. So they sent Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of Nabi so he went inside and he said, Ya Rasulullah, we did not mean to put pressure on you. And if you want to go with Abdullah ibn uh, Ubay bin Salol's advice, we are happy with that. We will go with this. We need not go outside. Rasulullah said, once a Nabi has taken a decision, the decision will not be changed. And that also is the principle of decision making, which is once you decide, you stick on that. You don't keep on vacillating uh, and vitiating between this one and that one. So he said, we will go out. Now, two things happen. Again, big lesson with regard to followership, not only leadership. Two things happened. First thing that happened was, when they left Madina and Das, they were going out of Madina. Abdullah bin Uwai bin Salul said, look, I gave my advice. You don't want to follow it. I am going back home with my people. Do you see this behavior amongst ourselves today? Yes or no? You sit in a majlis, you give an advice, I mean, he does not take it, so I am not in this. Why? He didn't listen to me. How can he listen to everybody? You gave advice, whether your advice was taken or not, what is your job? You follow the Amir. You give the advice, Alhamdulillah, taken, Alhamdulillah, not taken, Alhamdulillah, I will support the Amir. We don't do that. We do what Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul did. We are munafiqeen. We move back. We say, no, what you know, I was not listened. That's exactly, that's exactly what he did. He said, you didn't listen to me, I am going home. He took 300 people and went. Right? And then of course, as we know, the rest of the story, what happened in Ahad and so on and so forth. One can surmise, one can conjecture that if there were 300 fighters more, then this result, even the, the result of the defeat in Ahad, probably would not have happened because the 300 fighters is a very significant number of people and more than likely the battle would have been, would have gone the way of Badr. But this people, these people moving away was a major setback to Nabi Sallallahu And of course, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed ayat to say that this man is in the Jahannam, and even if you make uh, tawbah, if you if you if you seek forgiveness for him seventy times, Allah will not forgive. So that's a different issue that came later on. But I'm saying that this behavior of not supporting the Amir contrasted with the behavior of the Sahaba in Hudaybiyah, where they also did not agree with the Amir, but they supported the Amir. You got two instances from the seerah of the same kind of situation where the Amir has a decision which the people do not like. In one case, even though they don't like it, they supported it. In the other case, they said, I will support what I like, but if I don't like your decision, I don't support. Clear differentiation between the results of the two things. In there, the result was good in the dunya wal akhirah. There was no conflict, nobody died, there was no war, even though there was an expectation of war, nothing happened, 
treaty was written for 10 years. In 2 years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them Makkah itself. You wanted only to make Umrah, Allah gave you the whole city. Go do what you want. In 2 years. In the other case, you disagree with the Amir and you walk away. There is a defeat in the dunya itself. There is a defeat in the war. There is, a, there is pain and suffering. Plus, you are consigned to the flames forever. Two completely contrasting sets of behavior. Final example again from the Sirah and the Sunnah. In Uhad itself, Rasulullah put a group of archers on a hilltop under the command of Jafar bin Abu Talib, the brother of Ali bin Abu Talib. He put him there on that thing and he said, stay here and do not leave this post either if you see us collecting Ghanima or if you see the battle has been lost, we are all dead and you see the crows are eating from our bodies, even then do not leave this post. Absolutely clear instructions. Right? This post, and those of you who have gone to the, uh, to, to the battlefield of Ahad, you know the, situ the, the situation. It's a, there's the main mountain. Obviously, you can't cross this mountain, so that mountain is a, is a backing, it's a protection. But between that mountain and this little hillock, there is a passageway. Rasulullah was protecting that passageway because to prevent the enemy forces from coming and encircling. So he said, you, he put them there, he said, stay, stay there, this guard this pass. Now, as we know, the battle went in favor of the Muslims to begin with. Uh, the enemy was routed and the Muslims started collecting their, uh, the, the spoils of war. They collected, started collecting their, uh, the, the material of the enemy. These people now on top, they should have followed the hukam of the Amir. They did not do that. They used their own so-called intelligence. Remember, all of them are Sahaba. Every single one of them on that hilltop was a Sahabi. What did they do? They said, battle is over. Ghanimat is being collected. We have won. Matter is over. Jafar said, the Prophet gave us instructions. He said, do not leave this place no matter what. They said, no, no, no. That applied to that situation. It does not apply now. Have you heard this kind of argument today? It does not apply now. Situation has changed. Jafar bin Abu Talib said, do not do all this. Nabi said something, we follow the Nabi. We do not interpret and say situation has changed. This is the word of the Nabi applies, so stick here. They refused. They went against their own Amir. Who was their Amir? Jafar bin Abi Talib. They went against their own Amir and most of, not all of them, Jafar also stayed there, but most of them left and went to pick up the loot and as we say the rest is history Khalid bin Walid was waiting for that opportunity and he came through the pass and that turned the entire battle upside down on its head to the extent that Rasulullah himself was grievously injured and 70 Sahaba including Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib lost their lives in that uh, battle of Ahad all of which was completely and totally avoidable if these two incidents had not happened, both of which have to do with obeying the Amir and sticking with the Shura. One is the uh, returning of uh, 
of Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul and the other one is the disobedience of Rasulullah sallallahu and Jafar bin Abi Talib by these archers who were on the hill. This is the power of Shura. This is the meaning of following an Amir. Please understand final closing words. Please understand. After Rasulullah no matter which Amir you elect will not be a Nabi. No matter which Amir you elect will not get wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter which Amir you elect will not have Jibreel sitting on his right, sitting on, you know, next to him uh, at his right shoulder and advising him in his right ear. The Amir will be human. The Amir will make mistakes. The Amir will make, make a decision which, may not, which you may not like, which may not even be the correct decision. But it is your job to advise the Amir, to guide the Amir and to follow the Amir even if you do not like what he or she has said. Right? Final example of this which also came into my mind. Let me share that. Rasulullah passed away. Abu Bakr Siddiq is the Khalifa. People started rebelling. Practically the entire Jaziratul Arab was in rebellion. On what? On the payment of zakat. They said we will not give zakat. We used to give zakat to the Nabi. The Nabi is no more. We will not give zakat to Abu Bakr. Zakat is a pillar of Islam. Zakat is a pillar of the economy of the state. Abu Bakr Siddiq said I will send an army against them. What was the reaction of his shura? Sayyidina Omar said, how can you send, how will you raise the sword, how will you raise the hand against a Muslim? He disagreed with the Amir. And there were other people like that. Tell me something. When Abu Bakr Siddiq took that decision, to send an army and fight people who were not paying zakat, did he have a precedence from Rasulullah that he sent an army? Rasulullah did not accept the Islam of the people of uh, Taif because they said we will pray but we will not pay zakat. Nabi said the one who separates zakat from salah is not a Muslim, I will not take. But did Nabi say if that happens kill him, if, if somebody does not give zakat, uh, arrest him, fine him, uh, say, you know, cut off his head, send an army. Did Nabi say, did he say any of those things? Then how did Abu Bakr Siddiq take the decision? Abu Bakr Siddiq was making his istihad. He was alhamdulillah 100% correct in what he did. He was making his own istihad based on what Rasulullah's action was. Even though Rasulullah's action never was to send an army against uh, Muslims who were used to pay zakat and who are not paying zakat now. And alhamdulillah, 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 Abu Bakr Siddiq took this action. And alhamdulillah, even the people including Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab who opposed that action but when Abu Bakr Siddiq said this is what I will do they said Labbaik they said we will follow you even though they disagreed even they, though they knew I am giving you exa an example of someone who was not a Nabi so that you don't come back and tell me that you see after all the, all the examples you gave from Rasulullah Abu Bakr Siddiq is not a Rasul Abu Bakr Siddiq did not get wahi for this that was his own personal istihad he took a decision and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the right thing in his heart and he took a decision and the people even those who did not agree with him they, they supported him and they followed him and they didn't support him only by lip service. They put their necks on the line because they went in those, in those uh, battalions which were sent they went in those battalions. 
they put their own life on the line to support a decision of the Amir which they did not agree with my brothers and sisters this Ummah became an Ummah because there were people who were willing to follow like this this Ummah became an Ummah and Allah gave them Allah opened the doors of Futuhat Allah gave them opened the doors of the world to them because they learned to live with difference because they learned to follow an Amir because they learned that even though I may not like something, I will still support the Amir because I know that what he is doing is for the good of the whole community. I know he is not a Nabi, I know he is not a Rasul, I know he is not getting Wahi, but Alhamdulillah, he is a decent human being, he is a pious human being and we make dua to Allah, may Allah put the right decision in his heart and we will support that decision, we will not bad talk him, we will not ghibat, do ghibat on him, we will not uh, try to subvert him or sabotage him from behind, we will stand solidly with him shoulder to shoulder because we believe that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the Ummah decided to do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors for them. Today we have gone back to the ways of Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul. May Allah protect us. We give lip service. We will support the Amir as long as the Amir is singing our tune. If the Amir says anything which we don't like, then we walk away. Many of them do not, many of us do not even have the decency to disagree with the Amir to his face. They go behind his back and talk, talk against him. And they try to sabotage him and they try to dig tunnels uh, to sink the Amir. This is our behavior. So please let us understand this. Number one, practice shura in all aspects of your life. Number two, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then fear the day when you will meet him. Follow the Amir, elect an Amir, follow the Amir, make dua for guidance of the Amir. By all means, advise the Amir, by all means, guide the Amir. And if, and then support the Amir, whether or not you like his decision. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered this in the Quran. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu atiullaha wa atiur rasula wa ulil amri minkum. Who is, who is ulil amr? Is your amir. The only time that you should not support the amir. And let me come, conclude with that. There are times when you should go against the amir. There are times when you should stand up against the amir. When? When the amir is openly going against the Quran and the sunnah. If the amir makes halal what Allah has made haram. If the Amir creates this interest-based banking, if the Amir says that interest-based banking is halal, then stand up against the Amir. If the Amir says that alcohol can be freely sold and bought and used, then stand up against the Amir. If the Amir says that prostitution is okay, stand up against the Amir. If the Amir is making haram into halal, if the Amir is making halal into haram, if the Amir is, 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 is sanctioning shirk, if the Amir is sanctioning those things which Allah has prohibited, he is going directly against the Quran and the Sunnah, then by all means you should not support such an Amir, you must stand up against such an Amir. But other than this, matters of ishtihad, matters of understanding, matters of political decisions, matters of things which are good for the community, which are not and nothing to do with haram and halal, which have nothing to do with the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you do not support the Amir, believe me, you are going against the ayat of the Quran and you are going against the uh, sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and you will bear the consequences of that in this dunya and akhirah as we already know we are bearing. The reason why we are so completely you know, disconnected and fractured is because of our behavior with regard to following an Amir in our society. We all give 
lot of lip service, kya, 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 about how we must have a Khalifa. We cannot even decide who to pray two rakat of salah behind. We fall into all majlis of jahilun and they want to talk fiqh. You, you have no idea, understanding of what is Quran and Sunnah. But then you want to st stick on furui masalas, small masalas where istihad is, is permits, permissible and where people, alhamdulillah, the ulama have made istihad. I am not sitting making my own istihad. I am only quoting for you the, the istihad of the ulama. And I am saying that Imam Shafir rahmatullah said this, Imam Abu Hanifa said this, Imam Malik said this, and Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal said this and so on. I am quoting for you the istihad of the aima and the ulama. I am not making my own istihad. But because you hear something from somewhere, it sticks in your mind, you stay, you stay with that and you want to try to, you know, uh, force that or down somebody else's throat, please. All of these behaviors only result in disruption. All of these behaviors only result in the fracturing of the Ummah. Please don't follow all this. If someone tries to put the biggest and the most effective tool of shaitan is to put conflict in the community. Conflict between brothers on ego issues. On ego issues. Imtiaz did not speak to me respectfully. So I got angry with What is respectfully? What is respectfully? You know who you are? You are not even a drop of semen. You are one sperm. Which after your father ejected you, he went and made ghusl. That is who you are. You are worthy of respect? You want me to respect a sperm? It is the ni'mat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put cover after cover after cover after cover over our, uh, you know, all our evil and all our mistakes that people have, that the people show respect for that. What respect? Shaitan puts this. Shaitan, this is pure and complete, un, un, uh, you know, distilled shaitan venom. So-and-so did not respect me. So-and-so did this. So-and-so did that. So I am against him. I am against him. I will not listen to him. Inna lillahi wa inna Make tawbah. Make tawbah. Make tawbah. If that thing is in your heart, make tawbah. Clean your heart. Join the hearts. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. The brother is my brother. He is my... He and I, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together. Please, do not allow shaitan to drive you apart. Do not allow shaitan to put your ego inside your heart and take away the love of your brother from your heart. Do not allow shaitan to put divisions amongst yourselves. We are suffering from divisions. Don't add to that. Stand together. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Bunyan Marsus. He says he likes people. Surah Usaf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said he likes to see them standing shoulder to shoulder like a wall against all forms of evil. This is what the Muslim should be. Please do not allow this fitna of conflict to come in your communities, in your masajid, in your homes. Anyone who is trying to do that, that person is an agent of shaitan. Kick him out. <coughs> Kick him out. <coughs> Don't fall into that trap. It's Alhamdulillah. Whatever my brother tells me, I love him for that. If I didn't like it, no problem. My, my Prophet said, how many excuses? 70. So he's got another 69 to go. Someone offended me 10 times. No problem. How many more to go? 60. Please. Please, please, please. I'm asking you. 
do not allow conflict to enter your hearts. And remember, only you can prevent that. Nobody else. Somebody like me, I can only tell you. I can advise you. I can beg you. I can plead with you. I can't, I can't take your heart and change it. That is in your control. If you do that, if you keep your heart clean from all this, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nur will fill your heart. Allah will give you wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you helm. Allah will give you sabr. And Allah will raise your stations. People will love you. They will respect you. Even those who are against you will come, will become your, your friends. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned all of this in, in the Quran. Itfa billati hiya ahsan. And Allah said, the one between you and whom and the other one, there was an enmity, he will become like you, waliyun hamim. He will become your closest friend. But that will happen only if you don't allow your ego to overpower you and create all this mess. So please understand the issue of shura and the issue of keeping our hearts together and the issue of not allowing conflict to come in our communities and homes. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fill your hearts with His noor and to fill your lives with His barakah and to give you from His treasures without end. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you those who stand up against the shaitan and who stand up against all forms of division. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you among those who will keep your they will stand shoulder to shoulder with your brothers like a wall against all evil. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with you and never to be displeased. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa alayhi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatika ar-Rahim.